I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at KindFarmsInc, all one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is KindFarmsInc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is RYAN10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, after two months of a hiatus, I finally have my dog home. I'm so grateful for all the support, all the donations, and all the repostings. It's meant the world to me. Today on An Actor Spares, we have a very exciting episode with actor Bill Heck. He's here to talk about I Know What You Did Last Summer, but you've seen him in other things like the film I'm Your Woman, The Alienist, and many other projects. We dig deep into grad school. He got his MFA from NYU, and I know it's grad school season right now, audition-wise, so it's a super amazing and insightful episode, and Bill's such a giving actor. He's got so much in store. It's great to be back, guys. Bill, I love you, brother. Here it is. Bill Heck, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing, man? I'm well, Ryan. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's better now seeing you. This is uh, my first episode in two months. I've kind of been through a little bit of an ordeal. My dog got lost. And, oh, shit. Uh, yeah. And, and for eight weeks. And, and we found him on Sunday. So I, I've been dark through then. And it, I'm, That's incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to announce that happy endings uh, do happen outside of Hollywood. So, <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any idea what, uh, what his little two-month story is? Uh, he's got some scars and he was pretty dirty, but it, it, he's a Shiva Inu, which are, they're 30% wolves. Right. And it seems like he just survived on his own. We have no idea how, and it just, incredible. Oh, I can't tell you how good it feels to have him back, man. But I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, we're here to talk about you, man. It's good to have you here. (laughs) I'd rather hear about your pup. But man, dude, I, I'm, 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 so impressed with your career, Rachel Brosnahan's a friend. So I, that's where I first nice. discovered you and yeah, uh, I'm great. NYU as well. And I know you're NYU and, and man, your roster of like credits is incredible. You're in such a wonderful position. Like I'm so excited to see everything that's to come and everything that you've done, like the leftovers, like you're dude, your, your, your resume is insane. Like, I mean, <laughs> it must be that's, so, that's I'm, just, I'm just so proud of you, man. Like you're, you're that's doing bad. the thing, man. And, and, this, you know, I know we did last summer so rad. I know we're here to talk about it, but I'm excited to see everything that's come next, man, because uh, we got to get you on the stage, dude. Like now that it's back. <laughs> I miss it. It's been yeah. a while. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's kind of been very fortunate. Yeah. But man, if it's cool with you, let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? I was born in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Um, no way. Yes. And uh, when I was 10, my family moved to uh, back to the Chicago suburbs where my folks are originally from. So I got a nice little contrast in climate. So uh, how long in my were developmental you years in Phoenix for? Uh, ten years, give or take. Okay, my, my yeah. dad's from Elgin. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. We're a little further north, but uh, do you have fam- Do you have? Do you go out there much? Uh, all my family's still there, but uh, you know family dude i don't really go there that often but yeah Fair the enough. midwest is is a little too cold for me anyway 
Not that New York winters that much easier, but yeah, I, right, I did right. spend a lot of my childhood there, you know, okay. right Naperville right. and going yes, to all the, yeah, sure. man, that's oh, awesome. Wow. So nice. talk to me, you know, like, uh, what do your parents do? Were they in the arts at all? Uh, not directly. Like, um, you know, like, uh, my mom did plays in high school and stuff. And, um, uh, my aunt, my mother's sister and her husband are professional actors in Indianapolis, uh, oh, nice. regional actors. Um, and, uh, some aunts that sang. And, uh, so I was exposed to the arts to a certain degree, but it wasn't until pretty late into my, um, my adolescence that I got into it myself. Wow. Uh, yeah, sort of, <laughs> sort of forced into it. Um, you know, my, I had, there was a, like a, a divorce in the family and there was some, oh. some difficult years growing up and same. same um, yeah. Say yeah, no more. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, um, you know, I have loving parents. It wasn't anything, um, Hollywood spectacular in terms of uh, the destruction of a family, but, uh, hard enough. And, um, sorry, my, yeah. no, no, yeah, you know, yeah. we're good. I made, made me who I am. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, they're both happily remarried to lovely people. But um, another happy ending, love it. <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> <go>. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, uh, you know, I had some pretty unhappy years there, especially going into high school. Uh, kind of, you know, I'd always been like a good student and a pretty friendly kid, and I started withdrawing and getting morose, and you know, like the brooding back. teen angst. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even that was sort of pretty tame. You know, I yeah. wasn't like smoking behind the school or anything. I yeah. just, I just pouted and and you know cursed on occasion did you get a leather but, uh, jacket that's the first step dude no i was, not <laughs> <nearly>. <laughs> I was, I was nowhere near like up to date on my fashion uh which is a uh, truth that remains to this day i, I but, think you're um, killing it today man great outfit yeah well, that's yeah. very kind you know i uh but uh boy i was confused on a lot of fronts back then uh and in any case this is this is chicago just so we can chicago yeah libertyville high school um and and what was that like? Because like you know, high school is is such a it's the pinnacle of weirdness. You know, you're who you are from 14 when you go in to 18 at the end. You're like 37 different people by the Absolutely. end. Absolutely, yeah. And, and so I, yeah, having those. Yeah. Certain, I'm just like you're trying to find yourself literally while you're you're the the things that your anchors are crumbling. So how did you buoy yourself? Uh, you know, well, for a while I didn't, for a while I was like a latchkey kid and I would, you know, read horror, horror novels instead of doing my schoolwork and all that sort of shit. Um, that's actually how I got in. You know, I, I, my mom was like, just knew that I was unhappy and knew my grades were coming down. I was being like a bit of a dick in the home. And so, uh, she, you know, she's like, well, you gotta, you gotta join an extracurricular activity. Uh, something to to pull you out. I was like, oh god. So I had played soccer through eighth grade and um, went to try out for the high school team. But it had been a few years. My cleats were didn't fit me anymore, oh, wow. and um, uh, we didn't really have much money at that time. And um, so my mom said, you know, well, if you make the team, we'll get you new cleats. So. Uh, so I went to the first day of tryouts in my old cleats. And at the end of the day, um, my mom picked me up in her minivan and I pulled off my shoes and both my large toenails fell out. <laughs> oh my God. Traumatized. And so I was essentially hobbled and couldn't complete the remaining two days of soccer tryouts. So, uh, my mom was like, well, you still gotta, still gotta sign up for some extracurricular activity. And I was like, fine, try out for the fucking musical. <clears throat> and, uh, and I did, man. You oh, literally, you're you're not like you literally tried no. out for the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, my mom. I got into acting because my mom made me. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. That's that's and, this uh, is the first with this podcast. That's so <laughs> rad. <laughs> no, and it, you know she did me a great service. I, I, I it, it, it was it was Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Oh, did you get? Were you uh, Sweeney? No, man, I was, that was my uh, very, still very, uh, one of my best friends, Nathan Johnson, who's a beautiful actor and professor and director. And, uh, uh, and I was Judge Turpin. Uh, so I, you know, it was this old crotchety evil man. I got to like work through all my darkness in this very enjoyable way, found a community, found a a kind of a new purpose and, uh, um, you know, a sense of belonging. It completely, 
turned me around. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm indebted to my mother for that on many fronts. Um, I'm so curious because like, not only is that just so badass and brave, but like (laughs) the musical element myself, I can't sing. Did you go in knowing you could sing or did you not know if you could sing? I mean, my, my family was relatively musical. I, I, I started uh, playing the piano at like four and a half. Uh, and, um, I haven't kept up with it much, but I can still sit down and, you know, so music was in the family. My mother plays the piano. My father plays guitar, uh, a bit. Um, my aunts were professional singers. I think I mentioned. So I actually had, um, uh, one of my aunts, my aunt Joan, uh, Joan Lombardi. She worked with me for, uh, about a week before going up, you know, once I sort of got over the fact that I had to do something, I decided to go for it. Yeah. And so she worked with me and got the song going and, uh, it worked out. That's so beautiful, man. And and yeah. how quickly into this, you know, rehearsal production, did you start to realize like, fuck, I, I, I like this, you know? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty immediate. Wow. Um, you know, and it was certainly, cause that was my junior year of high school. And by then you're starting to consider colleges, colleges and what yeah. you want to do. So I was going on a few tours and stuff. And I was like, Oh, Marine biology or God knows, you know, cause it would be fun to go to school in Florida sort of as, yeah. as far along as I had got. And then this came along and it, something felt like home. And I started to ask the question of, is it, like how, how genuinely insane is it to consider this as an actual option? Yeah. And, um, I, I remember sitting in the car, <laughs> I was going to park with this girl that I was seeing at the time. Uh, there was like a, the suburb we were in was by like an industrial office complex. Yeah. Me and this girl would like go park there after hours and have fun. And, this is very 1950s uh, parking. I love yes, it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we went to park at the yard. <laughs> That's right. We went up to the cliffs and uh, gave us pooch. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I remember having like a real heart to heart with her being like, is this something I can actually consider? And uh, it seemed like a wild prospect at the time. Um, but uh, my friend Nathan, who played Sweeney that I mentioned earlier, he went on to to go to school for it. And so it seemed like a little closer to home, something possible. The fact that my aunt and uncle were doing it, you know, uh, six hour drive away in Indianapolis made it feel not quite so insane. And, um, and then, so I just dove into like auditioning for a few programs and got into um, the university of Evansville, which is a beautiful little diamond in the rough program down in uh, Southern Indiana. Is that um, BA or BFA? As a BFA. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And they're really, in, they're, they're, it's a, you know, it's like a liberal arts college, but they, they market it as a, a conservatory field and a liberal arts program. So it's really intense, really demanding. And they concentrate on getting their uh, students into really good grad schools. Like the whole first semester of your senior year in acting classes, compiling 10 to 15 monologues to go audition graduate programs. That's and, so uh, amazing. Cause I know yeah, you went to NYU cool. grad and NYU right. undergrad does not do that at all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, they're fantastic as well, but they're also like, you know, the, there were 16 kids in my class in this school, 16 performance wow. so major. It's more of like a Juilliard. So it's, yeah. It's really, so yeah, like, it's, dude, that's awesome. That's yeah, so no, cool. It's great. So yeah. that went to NYU after that and that, you know, before we get to NYU, I'm curious, you know, because like there is such a righteous theater scene and comedy if you're into it. Was there ever a moment of like after you graduated from there about thinking about trying the Chicago circuit? Because I know like, you know, obviously now I don't know if it was then, but like, you know, they have all those Chicago shows and procedurals that yeah. shoot there. And right, right. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't quite as much television going on. Um but I've, I've always wanted to work uh, in the Chicago theater scene. It's, um, yeah. you know, I was going in high school when, I, when this new uh, passion was developing. And even before, I appreciated the theater there and loved having the, the city right there. But because the undergrad program was so intensely geared toward a, a graduate experience just after, that, that was where my focus went. So, Got, so the, was it, it was the program that kind of hardwired you for, okay, I want to do grad school, you know? Yeah. They're like, yeah. we can do this. We can do this for you. We can prepare you this far. Um, 
you know, it's a lot about the, the program's a lot about developing the person and the artist and, yeah. and you know, there's, there's another uh, realm of training that's perhaps a little more practically centered that will more efficiently usher you into a professional world. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's not necessarily true for everybody. So I don't mean to advertise that as the only way to go. No, but, I know. I know. Um, I've done the grad school. Sir, for me. Uh, did, did you yeah. do the big three, like NYU, Juilliard and Yale, or what did you do? I auditioned for NYU and Juilliard and Yale and UCSD and ACT, and then did the Erda's audition, which is where you go in yeah. front of just a shitload of people. Yeah. And then, so I interviewed like eight schools out of all those. There was and a whole day. First year, first try. What's that? This is first year, first try. You know, like the first round of. Oh grad- yes, yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah. So, so, so senior year of our, our of my my undergrad, we all like piled into some bands and went up to Chicago wow. to hit all these auditions. Uh, these all these schools that were coming into audition for a weekend. So and, it was pretty intense. And you, I obviously you got called back at NYU. Did you consider any other ones or go further? I also got into UCSD, um, uh, which has an really amazing program which is now run by a buddy of mine, Richard Robichaux, who uh, wow. is uh, the finest of fellows. Um, but uh, NYU felt like the right fit. Yeah. I'm a, I have a lot more debt because of that choice. So hey, me too, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how, how right of a call that was, but you know, I have that, the, the alumni system or uh, the connection of those, both those programs, Evansville and NYU has stood me in really good stead. Uh, throughout my professional years. So what year were you? Uh, I graduated NYU in 2004. So were you there with like Glenn Fleshler or David Costable? Just just after Glenn and and, uh, Costi. What about Michael C. Hall? Was that? uh, No, that was, that was, that was further ago. Um, My wife went, went to the program before I, just before I did. So she was there with Costi, I think. Got it. David, David and Glenn are friends. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So talk to me, you know, for, for the actors listening, you know, uh, I know we kind of just briefly touched on it, but for people listening, could you, this is, and I'm sorry, this is like a deep question, but could you kind of in the easiest way, explain the difference between undergrad and grad and the benefits of grad? Because that's something I explore a lot with actors that do do graduate yeah. programs on this. And, and it can be specific to you. You, you. you don't have to speak like this. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think is for those listening, you know, once you have a BFA from an undergrad, what do you think makes worth going further to get that MFA? Yeah. You know, um, Obviously, I can only really speak to my experience. So because one undergrad program to the next will set you up differently for the next step. Um, I was set up very well in terms of <clears throat> what it means, what it sort of meant to be a truthful storyteller or, you yeah. know, the, the Evansville program is very geared toward authenticity and, you know, do a lot of gritty plays at the South and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, NYU offered some more um, technical elements, you know, really kind of stripped down the actor as an instrument while at the same time being centered in a, in a, in a, a pursuit of play, you know, uh, 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 playfulness. Yeah. Um, so really kind of allow letting the craft inform uh, a sense of adventure and tied into authenticity and stuff, but really broke me down a lot not not in this sort not in that not in the old school way you hear where you're you break uh, you down to build you up but, yeah, but yeah, just yeah. like you know you really start to examine every nuance of the performative endeavor um and that really served me i mean i i i'm i'm fairly certain that at the end of nyu i was <laughs> a worse actor than I was when I started at NYU. So but funny. I, because yeah. I was just sort of, and I, but I think that I'm a better actor now than I would have been had I not yeah. gone. So it, it was sort of a slow burn uh, after the fact. And, you know, part of that is I think built on the circumstance of having gone right from undergrad. Yeah. You know, there are some people, there are plenty of people who take time off before going to grad school the, the people in my class who had done that had, uh, you know, more solid sense of self, yeah. had a, a bigger understanding of what it 
meant to be in the world and, and, uh, and how they could use the training to serve that. I was, I was, you know, had gone through school my whole life. And so I was still a little of the mind that you satisfy the teacher or you get the grade, right? Uh, not that I was a grade hound, but in, in, in terms of owning the training for myself, there were people who knew about what that meant better than I did because they'd taken some time off. And I have friends who went right from undergrad and their first three years out of school sort of served a similar purpose. You know, you really learn uh, in the pursuit no matter where you go. So I, I'm hardly of the mind that it's required. Um, but I think it can be a really useful thing if you feel like it's uh, yeah. speaks to you. Totally. That's so beautiful. Thank you for answering that. And yeah. when you when you did the showcase, did you get rep from from that from the NYU's grad showcase? <laughs> <laughs> I just laughed just thinking about those days because those are insane. Yeah, days. I'm sure. Man. And it's a real, it's a real dog and pony show. You know, they they trot you out into a circle, you show your teeth, and they sort of say that one or that one, and everybody loses their minds a little bit. Um, I mean, it's a great service, truly. Truly, is it monologues it, for for your for the showcase, or what do you? Get NYU is like, is like NYU is like two scenes. Got it. Everyone does two scenes. Um, and we did ours with UCSD and UC Irvine, I think. Okay. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I got rep by, uh, uh, joined up with Lori Swift. Uh, oh, Sweet 180. Yeah. 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 That yeah. was before yeah. Sweet 180. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That, yeah. That was, uh, um, I haven't been with her for a while now, but she was lovely and sort yeah. of a, a perfect, um, entree into the whole thing. Uh, I went through some, some good, gnarly years with her she's great oh, that's great yeah. man I, and I, i'm curious you know like so many people i when i go to when i went to nyu you know people just all of a sudden you know not even having gone to grad or like i want to go to la when you graduated getting rep were you did you want to stay in new york did you think about chicago like where was where was your head at um i think la felt a little too beyond my grasp at the at that time yeah. I, excuse me, I, um, I didn't have, my showcase didn't go great out there. Uh, so, and I think I let that inform me a little mm-hmm. too much about, it. but, but, you know, I, uh, and while you had it, I think still has a good relationship with the public theater. So uh, the, the grad students get to, uh, come into audition for Shakespeare in the park. Wow. Uh, so right out of grad school, I got the, I, I went into the non-equity ensemble for much ado about nothing in the park, which is one of the best fucking places to work theater in New York city or in the world. It's incredible. Um, and I've been unfortunate to work there a few times since. Um, so I, I was sort of immediately pulled into the New York experience to a certain degree. Uh, I I was, I was also dating a classmate at the time who stayed in the city. And so that kept me, kept me there as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I was also, I, I had been in New York for three years, yeah. except for the two summers off where I, I went back to the suburbs to work a job to try and pay for as okay. much of the next year as possible. Yeah. And, um, uh, grad school was like, it's like eight or 9am until 11 at night. Yeah. It's so intense. Six days a week. So I didn't really enter New York to a, in, a, in a certain way. I didn't really enter the city until after I graduated. So you know, it was a whole new era of, of experiencing New York and uh, finding my feet and yeah. discovering what I meant within that context. Um, so it felt like I was going somewhere new anyway. In totally. Some regard. It's uh, like you, you finally get to experience the city because you're so busy yeah. in that theater and, you know, those black boxes because that's what <laughs> grad school's for. And right. then now, now you finally get to have that New York experience. Was there a second where you just allowed yourself to to have fun maybe for a second and enjoy the city or that that first summer in the park uh, ah. really absolutely you know i was still working hard but you know it's like <laughs> it's like summer camp you go out every night and that you just fuck around and then you take the work really seriously and then but it's so joyful and um that projection felt particularly joyful uh so that yeah i had definitely had some fun wow <laughs> And then, you know, was unemployed. So yeah. I, that's a different kind of fun. 
and, and, and for, the, you know, for, for, for you going from undergrad to grad to, you know, like essentially being in the gate to a gig to then all of a sudden real life, how was that transition for you? Because I know that can be so tough. People, you know, graduate, they get it, they get a job, they get a movie, they get uh, Shakespeare in the park and then they don't work for two years, you know? So how yeah. did you adjust? It was, um, well, I, I did a park and then I got, I got a commercial agent and booked the first commercial I auditioned for, which was like the replacement, the Bud Light's replacement campaign for WhatsApp. It was like going to be their next oh, big Oh, the frog thing? Yeah. Thing, yeah. yeah it wasn't yeah. for that, but it was like for their next big thing. And so, I, you know, I was like, I got this. No sweat. This is back and, in the SAG commercial days, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, this is going to pay for this guy. This is going to be gold. And like, it just never went anywhere. And I don't think I ever booked another commercial after that. And then, you know, I didn't work for another seven months or so. Um, so it, it, I think it was a good, a good kind of awakening. You know, yeah. you come out of grad school pr- feeling pretty cocky. Yeah, uh, sure. And uh, especially if you're like working at the public with these amazing, Eustace, you, know, you know, yeah, exactly. yeah. Tony Kushner's like, over there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, and then you book the commercial and you're like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, the next face of Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a catering job. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, God. Um so what's good, you know, and it's, it's not the last time I experienced a kind of uh, uh, humbling, which is, I think, a really important part of, of the experience of the professional world. Um, but it was useful early on. It, 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 it put me in my place a little bit. It gave me a little perspective. And I, I was very fortunate to have a, a built-in community within the city. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it could have been, I landed more softly than I might have otherwise. And, and what, even in that period, you know, what, you know, for those listening, you know, did, what did you do survival wise? Did you get a temp job? Did you do hospitality? Like what were your steps? Uh, I went back, I did, I was, um, uh, carpentry was my main survival oh. job. So I worked, so it was I was <laughs> Oh, is that right? Yeah. That. Yeah. That's what he did. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is, was great. Is, uh, I think served me well. It's, it's, I find it very therapeutic. And so I worked, I actually worked in the under the NYU undergrad prop shop wow. for a while. I, uh, I worked at a couple scene shops around town. Uh, I, uh, I worked at, um, um, Dennis O'Hare's husband, Hugh, he, he is a contractor. They're no longer in the city, but like I helped them renovate a house. Wow. Uh, um, so you didn't have to do the, the horrible nightmare of like waiting tables. You, you were, no, to- I, I did that. I got rid of that. I did that in my undergrad and graduate summers uh, got it. at the, at the TGI Fridays in my uh, Chicago suburb. <laughs> shout out Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Fridays. Yeah. Uh, I was there from the transition from flair into the tasteful black polo. Wow. The heady days, heady days. Love that, um, man. And yeah. Wait, I so also the, worked. Oh, this this is interesting. I also well, maybe not interesting, but I also worked at a uh, um, my my very close friend Jeff Galfer, who's uh, another fucking brilliant actor and creator. He uh, he had got a job at a PR firm called Force and Stevens, and so he got me a job there. We were like office gophers working on their storage floor, putting together like samples of uh, of you know high end clothing that stylists would come and pick up to take to their photo shoots and we got to take all these free samples and stuff. Yeah. It was kind of a great job too. Uh, it just, I did like a, a photo shoot a couple months ago. Um, and the stylist came, came in with his clothes and he's like, Hey, the people at LaForce and Stevens say, Hey, they're really happy that you're on this side of things now. No <laughs> it was way. a real, it was a real uh, whiplash moment. Um, like kind of beautiful, but they were good to me early on. So I was, you know, I definitely had some pretty, bleak financial yeah. periods, but by and large, uh, was able to find work that was at least semi-interesting. And did Rory start, you know, sending you on the co-star and the guest star circuit? Is that, you know, <laughs> not as much. I don't think I was do- I, I, here and there. I was more theater. I was auditioning for, you know, I didn't under, didn't understudy on Broadway. Um, 
about a year after I graduated. For what what production? Uh, it was a production called Brooklyn Boy, uh, Darnell Margulies' play, uh, and uh, understudy Kevin Isola, uh, who's another brilliant actor. Uh, got to go on had my Broadway debut for one oh. night. You know, it was uh, it was uh, that was pretty pretty fun. But I, you know, I also on that job. What was really significant about that job is I. There were, you know, obviously several understudies of various ages and some understudy jobs you get to leave as soon as the curtain's up. This is one of the ones where you, they put us all up in the top floor dressing room until the person we were covering was finished with their track, just in case something happened mid-show. So there were like six of us uh, who would just, were hanging out, you know, six days a week. And some of the, uh, the older actors uh you know, had like families, they had like a, a small cabin out of the city that they would go to on weekends uh, with their kids. And it, it was a, a really beautiful discovery, a real uh, concrete evidence that acting was not the glitz and the glam, you know, yeah. you see the, the part you see of the experience is so narrow, yeah. um, but it's actually built up um, the foundation is just like a lot of blue collar workers who are just kind of jobbing totally. and, and making their lives work. And maybe you never hear about them, but they're the fucking lifeblood and it, it is totally satisfying, uh, and, and a beautiful way to go. Uh, so I find that very comforting and, um, inspiring. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. I love that. And so when, when you got done with that, then did you start to, you know, tell her you wanted to do more film and TV or were, were you just content with whatever work came your way? Uh, it, it took, it took a long time for me to ask for what I wanted. Yeah. I think. Um, did you know what you want? No, I mean, part of me was content to kind of just see what came. Yeah. I think you find out pretty early on that, that here's what I did. <clears throat> it's the default position. If you're an actor is like, you are waiting for someone to want you. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, or that you can fall into that. Uh, your experience is predicated on other people's ideas. And that is a, a terrible <laughs> position to be in. Um, so I was fortunate to have really active creator friends and, uh, you know, starting theater companies and doing shows. So I did a lot of like off, off, off stuff for no money with friends uh, and writers and various groups. And would, you know, anytime somebody asked me to do a workshop or do whatever, which because of my, my alumni communities was a lot of people. Um, I said, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think at first I was like, oh, I got to stay available if this comes along and that comes along. But yeah. I pretty quickly discovered that if I was able to, to claim some space in the world, um, that that would serve me. And my experience of it would be far more empowering. I'd feel, uh, you know, that I, I, I had a, a, a place in it all. And I think that dis discovering that attitude early on served me really well through even the, the, the bleaker times. Um, and then when I got a theater job, you know, I was really happy with it. It was, it was a, it's sort of an extra bonus when I got paid for it. Right. Um, so I did like a, a couple regional gigs and um, it wasn't until I moved out to LA uh, to follow a girl that, uh, um, that, that, you know, that, that, that attitude or that sort of, um, that method of saying yes and, and participating, even if it seemed like maybe not fancy or maybe like, uh, or difficult to make work financially. Um, that's when it actually started coming to fruition in a different way. You know, it served me in a lot of ways without any kind of, uh, financial benefit, but I got out there and said, friend, it's not, Long after I, <laughs> you get out there, you move to LA, and you, it takes a few months. We're to talking realize like you're not just timeline, like 2007 is 2007, exactly yeah. right. 2007, yeah. yeah. And so once I realized I wasn't on vacation, and after the girl dumped me, um, I, uh, I a friend invited me to come to go see the the Brown Graduate School Showcase, oh. um, and I 
was not in a happy place. I was like, that sounds fucking miserable. But, uh, I went, I went out and, uh, was glad I did. It would you know, they did, they were great. And I ran into Bonnie Grissom, who's a casting director who, uh, a few years prior had worked in Pat McCorkle's office. She's a casting director yeah, here in New York. Best, yeah. And yeah. And I was a reader for Pat Bonnie a lot for their auditions, uh, which for those who don't know is when you just go in and you're the person behind the camera reading the scenes with the people who come in to actually audition for the piece. So I got to know them in that office pretty well. Well, Bonnie was, had moved out to LA and she was at that showcase and we ran into each other. She's like, Hey, I'm working at center theater group. Now we're looking to fill this little role in a new play, uh, come back, uh, not in a new play uh, in a, in a play called, uh, come back little Sheba classic play. And, um, can you come in, you know, like tomorrow and, so I jumped into that and I got the part and was like working in one of the really good theaters out in LA. And because of that, then met this casting director who, uh, put me in a, a two episode guest star of the closer, which Here's is Sedgwick. my first. Uh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, which was, uh, a really amazing experience, like a really good role. I dove right in. And this was uh, no, peak procedural time. Like this is when procedurals right. were like yes. the thing, you know? Yeah. 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 Didn't you do numbers as well? And like NCIS? That was, that was my numbers was my first one. That was my nice. first little co- co-star, you know, two line uh, experience. And then came closer, which was like this two episode, like central arc. It was freaky. And that but must have cool being in LA doing that because like, you know, everyone in LA is an actor and no one yeah. is doing two episodes on the closer, you know, yeah. no, I was, I was insanely lucky. Uh, and, and the showrunner of that James Duff, he, um, took me under his wing and, uh, you know, Lori had not come out to, she was a New York agent and I didn't really jive with the LA office. And so James, um, found me a, a better agent in LA and, uh, and really shepherded me through that brought more te- television yeah. work through, um, hell, even came <laughs> it tracks all the way to uh, last year. Well, I guess a couple years ago. And I, so I'm doing the uh, um, playing uh, Mickey Donovan, it's John Boyd's character in the and the Ray Donovan series. Ray Donovan, yeah, uh, yeah. I played. They do some flashbacks in the last season. I played a young Mickey Donovan, uh, and then I'm now in a. Uh, doing the same reprising the role in uh, the feature film, which is finishing off the series comes out next year. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's a really amazing job. And I got that primarily because Jim Leonard, who is a writer, who's a, a, an Evansville alum from before my time, no but way. also worked on, uh, worked on the closer, uh, then became a, a writer and executive producer on Ray Donovan. And the first episode featuring young Mac- Mickey was directed by Kira Sedgwick. And because of that closer episode I had done a decade prior, like I got, I got this other job, which turned into this other fantastic thing. So, and, and I completely tie it directly back to yeah. the, the, you know, the drier days, the, the days of famine where I was like, just go forward, say yes. Uh, you don't be too proud or, yeah. or snot out about anything. Just, uh, just grab opportunity where you can. Um, That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, man. And and so while you were in LA and you had all these jobs coming in, did you, did you want to stay? Because obviously things were going well, you know, like were you? Yeah. um, I was having a really good time there. I asked some of my oldest friends are out there. Work was going great. Um, It was definitely, there was was definitely some challenging times as well, but um, I mean, I, uh, I still have 95% of the worldly goods I owned in 2009 when I came back to New York are still in my buddy's barn in the Santa Monica Mounts because I came back to New York for a job thinking I was going to go right back to LA. I never, wow. never left the city. <laughs> uh, and I love going back. You know, I've been working there, uh, going back and forth a bit recently as well. So I love, I love the city, but, uh, or I love LA, but, uh, yeah, fate kind of dragged me back east. And that's, can you mention what job it was that brought you back? Or that was a show called The Orphan's Home Cycle. We started in Harvard Stage and went to Signature Theater. It's a nine-hour play, uh, uh, written by Horton Foote, 
Okay. Uh, he did, he did uh, like Trip to Bountiful, uh, Pulitzer Play. He also was an Oscar-winning movie. Uh, um, he, he did the screen adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird. Wow. He uh, um, is a, a really, really prolific, significant American writer. He's sort of known as the American yeah. Chekhov. Um, he has a series of nine plays that chronicle his father's life from age nine to from age 11 to 39 and uh, Hartford stage and signature theater commissioned him to condense these full length, nine full length plays into 50 minute one acts yeah. and then slam them together to tell the whole cycle. So I, uh, uh, it was this really kind of major event within New York's theater world. And, um, you know, I got, I, that sort of happened in similar fashion to what I was describing earlier, but, um, uh, so I, I came back East to play, uh, this central character from like age 19 to 39 and, uh, through nine hours of theater, um, for 10 months. And, um, the woman playing opposite me is now my wife. So we sort of pre- in the play, you know, we in court and marry yeah. and, and have kids. So we sort of had this whole rehearsal for our, our next decade together, uh, in the first year of knowing each other. And, um, I just kept getting work that kept me here. And, uh, yeah, it was a real, a major turning point and a, a real gift. That's so beautiful, man. I'm so like, yeah. it just goes to show you staying humble and, and, and doing a good job and showing up. And, you know, even despite there being lulls that, you know, do just being a good guy, work begets work and good energy begets good people. And uh, I'm so proud of you, man. That's incredible. Thanks, dude. Yeah, you hope you try. Yeah. Well, obviously we're here to talk about, I know what you did last summer. So, you know, I, one day come back and we'll dig credit by credit, but let's talk about it. How did, how did, uh, how did this come your way? You did I'm Your um, Woman, which was Amazon. Did that have anything to do with this? Uh, not directly, uh, either than perhaps um, making me a familiar face to the studio. Gosh. So it was easier for them to say yes. That, <laughs> that was sort of an, another strange little quirk of fate. Um, I did uh, uh, an indie film called Small Town Wisconsin. I know. I was trying to uh, find it. I couldn't find it yeah. anywhere. Well, it's yeah. it's been it's not available yet. It's not out yet. It's been making the festival run, ah. and like a, a lot of small festivals Got for it. the last year or so. It's been kind it's of the only film I've seen where every review is like best movie ever seen. I'm like, I gotta say, <laughs> it's a it's a, yeah. it's a great little gem, man. Yeah. It's such a great little film. Um, it really is beautiful. I think people are gonna like it when it comes out. Um, you know, we were in Milwaukee for like a, a, a month and a half, just one of those fantastic family building experiences, yeah. really beautiful little film. And, um, so when did I know what you did last summer come into play? That was this year. This, no, this was, this was last year. This was, uh, November last year. So during I'd, the pandemic. Well, wow. yeah, I had started, I, I, I'd started think the film and TV had started gearing back up. Yeah. So I was in LA for a couple months doing a, a show called the old man. Uh, which we'll wrap up next year. Um, and, uh, so we had a little zoom conversation there and then I thought that was it. And then a month later, got a call from my agent say, Hey, do you want to move to Hawaii in four weeks after the holidays are over? Wow. And, um, what Island? Oahu. Wow. Yeah. What a dream. It was incredible. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, it was the safest place at the time. New York with pandemic was really rough. And, yeah. and because of, you know, my kids were schooling remotely. So I got to bring my whole family out, uh, which they is unusual. Oh, so, so we were all out there and yeah, it was uh, for four months, four and a half months. It was incredible. Was that your first time in Hawaii? It was. Wow. And yes. was it just amazing? it completely lives up to expectations. Yes. And we got there, you know, about in January, once spring breaks happened, there was some more tourism picking up, but especially because of the pandemic, the Island was empty of any tourism. So we just had the run of the place. You know, we spent the first week before we found a house that we we stayed in for the time. We spent the first, the production put us up for like a week in a Waikiki hotel, which is sort of the, the Times Square of of, Honol- of Honolulu, and Got you know it. it's the most crowded beach. It's beautiful, but it's just packed generally. Yeah. And it was 
desolate. There was like no one there. We had the run of the place to ourselves. The water was crystal clear. And a few, a few, like a, a month later, I was asking one of the locals who was uh, a background actor. We were just talking. And I was like, it was amazing. What has it been like? What's it been like without this influx of tourists? It's like, kind of had the island back to ourselves. Like, I can go surf Waikiki now, and the water is not cloudy with, uh, with sunscreen and, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and sure enough, we went, we went back to Waikiki beach to get my kids some surf lessons. And like, it was all the water was all milky and it was just overrun and still beautiful. But wow. we had this like two month period, which, which was just idyllic. We had the whole place to ourselves. And so it's a job you'll never forget, man. That's, that's oh, a, man. It's incredible. And was it fun, you know, cause it shows that, you know, I mean, the horror thriller genre tend to be, you know, you get to have fun with it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you know, uh, search the darkness of the soul. That's awesome. Splatter man. some blood on your face. Yeah, wow. that was good. Good time. It's cool having it out in the world now. I think you're you, one more episode left, right? I think it's six tonight, or six just came out today. Yeah, today's Friday. I don't know when this is coming out. Today's Friday the twenty ninth. Yeah. yeah, so there'll be there'll be uh, maybe by the time this goes up, two more coming out uh, once Friday. But and- uh, yeah, it's been fun seeing people enjoy it. Yeah, man, you're so great in it. It's so fun, and it's just yeah, like thanks. such a cool character, man. And it's it's cool, you know, because like so much of a show, I I think people undervalue is like the environment. So you feel the Pacific, you know, just that the Hawaii. It, it I it's kind of weird because like the White Lotus, same thing. You know, you really feel that. Right. And it sets a it sets a really interesting atmosphere for everything that's happening. You know, and yeah, yeah, it's yeah, nice I, to it's nice to fuck up some natural beauty. Yeah, bit, totally, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with murder, not with actually hurting the environment. <laughs> yeah, like with murder. Yes, touche, touche. But uh. What what's next in store for you, man? A few fun questions here. Uh, I uh, the um, the Ray Donovan uh, finale film comes out sometime uh, next in the first quarter of twenty twenty two. which is what I heard. So, you know, January to, to March sometime next year. Uh, and it's really it's, the script, the material is really good. Those those creators are really excellent. So I think yeah. that'll be pretty great. Um, small town, Wisconsin. We'll hopefully get distribution before too long. Um, I'll go out to, uh, I got the lock and key just came out, uh, uh, Netflix show that I was yeah. a part of the first season, a little bit, the second season, and a little more in the third season. I'm not sure when that'll come out sometime within the next six months, I would imagine. Uh, and then I go back to shoot, uh, or I did another thing for, with, with, uh, for Rachel's company, uh, Brosnahan did a, yeah. a, a podcast called the Miranda obsession. Oh, uh, Rachel's my, my, one of my best friends. Like we met, oh, you're kidding. Yeah. She, she was the first, we we're like each other's first friend we made at NYU. Yeah. Like, I love that. Yeah. She's the best. And she, yeah. she grew up like, we grew up a town away from each other. Yeah. In Chicago suburbs. Oh, and that's she's, right. She's, she's Highland up, Park. Yeah. Yeah. Highland Park. Yeah, I, I, re- I rehearsed a play at her high school. I know like her theater director. That's so funny. Uh, yeah. I'll uh, message her she, now after this. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you, you mean Rachel, we'll, we'll all have to hang, man. This is, done, this is awesome. Done. Love it. Dude, love it's your fantastic. energy. But, uh, <laughs> man, final few um, questions. You yeah. know, would, would you go back to, to the theater now that, you know, we're kind of entering, hopefully, the the continuation of Broadway coming back to yeah. life? You know, is that something sure. that you're still interested in? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, one of the things that drew me to the profession in the first place was, uh, the variety of experience it allows, you know, and there's get every, everything gives you something different. It allows you to offer something different. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I came up in the theater. I'm a deep lover of the theater. The the New York theater community, as you well know, is very small and familial. Um, so, uh, absolutely. I hope to do something before too long. And, and for all the actors listening, you know, I know this is a, a loaded question, but, you know, when when things got dark and, and work wasn't coming in and, you know, it didn't seem like, you know, anything was going to happen. Any words of wisdom for the people in that place right now? You know, um, I remember early on a fair amount of, of people I knew including myself being uh, like afraid to leave town for a vacation or to see someone or for whatever reason, for fear of, of missing an audition or, you know, missing that shot. And 
uh, you know, it's true. A lot of, a lot of one's success within the industry is predicated on chance, uh, being in the right place at the right time. So I completely understand that fear. Um, but it always struck me as a bit sad. And usually I would, you know, see people who made that choice regret it or, um, uh, you just got a, a, a guy I would get a sense that they were, were missing out on something. Yeah. Um, even though they were trying to not miss out on something. Um, so it's, this is not a, a uh, I'm not suggesting people leave town if they don't want to leave town. But my point is like, um, invest in your life. You know, you, you, there's, it's easy to obsess about the industry, uh, the, the business to like, do everything you can at every moment to be ready. And it's important to work your ass off for sure. If you don't work your ass off, you're sunk. Uh, but uh, if you're not investing primarily in your life and what that means uh, outside of the industry and who you are in the world writ large, then not only will you be fucking miserable, but you'll be a, a, a withered artist, you know, you want, you're the whole point, the whole, our whole, the center intention of our job is to bring the life of the human experience to distill it for people so they can see what it is about. So we can understand ourselves better so we can learn to communicate and connect. And if you are not experiencing your humanity within the rest of the world and just so singular focus, you're missing out and you don't, you don't know what you're doing. Like you're missing the point. So it's tough. It gets gnarly. And, and, you know, when, you know, I got a couple small things coming up and I'm still like, Oh, is it going to be enough? You know, there's yeah. that part of me that really gets, you know, they're like, all right, well, that's it. I've peaked. It's over. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I am very fortunate to have uh, a wife and two kids who I'm obsessed with and extended family and the desire for travel. And it, that has a life outside of acting. Yeah. 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 And that is, that is, you know, far better than any one job that has pulled me through the hard times. That's um, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. And and I needed to hear that today for my own, action <laughs> but dude, you, me and Rachel, we should get a project going. We should all hang out, man. Bill, you love it. Dude, I love your energy. Thank you for coming on, man. This was a real honor to have you as my first guest back. And, and thank you for taking the time. It, it really does mean so much to me, man. I, I really love speaking with you and let's do this again sometime. I'd love to. Thanks, man. Glad the pup is back home. Oh, thank you so much, brother. Rock and roll. Take care of the fam, okay? Thanks, brother. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.